Series 5, Episode 10, Vincent and the Doctor. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. And I'm Sarah Burke. Welcome back to Impossible Podcasts as we continue our run through Series 5 of Doctor Who. We're hoping to catch up on these episodes uh, before the show returns. So we'll have the complete run of uh, Matt Smith episode so far in addition to the series four of David Tennant and the various classic (laughs) random ones um, that we've done. I enjoyed listening to the uh, commentaries on the Silurian episodes or at least as far as I got before my um, smartphone on which I listened to my podcasts died and (laughs) it's now been sent off to repair and I've now got a very dumb phone. (laughs) So Uh, therefore can't listen to uh, Yeah well I I should be able to sort myself out with my old mp3 player but uh, I haven't got that far yet. Um, I did enjoy it the Silurian ones were a good one Pete and I did those ones they were uh, yeah, I I think they're ones that, like Chris Chibnall's previous Doctor Who on 42, there's nothing actually bad about it. It's just not terribly memorable. Yeah. It's it's workmanlike. I we think. managed to find enough to talk over yeah. it about, and we only got sidelined a couple of times during the episode. But uh... Yeah, the, the only bad thing about it is its averageness. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what we can. Um, that was that basically sums up our uh, podcast, really. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, they could have made more of it, but they are uh, quite quite mm. fun ones. And of course, it ended on the first of Rory's many deaths. Yeah, uh, actually, the second, if you count. Yeah, I think we're at uh, two now. A- yeah, Amy's choice, but uh, this one was slightly more permanent. It's, well, at this point, it appears to be completely permanent because yes. he appears to have been erased from the universe. So, so, uh, so going into this episode, we've got that. Mm. Uh, so, of course, Amy, well, everyone else other than the Doctor has now forgotten all about Rory. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it brings us to Vincent and the Doctor. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, and this one's written by none other than rom-com legend Richard Curtis. Curtis. So... We'll be discussing what he brought to the show in just a moment. But we'll get started on the commentary. So if you're listening along at home, press play now. So we start in a cornfield. I like the opening to this one. It's quite... uh... Mm. I, I think one of the things that is consistently good has been consistently good since um, uh, Stephen Moffat uh, took over as the cinematography on the show with the move to HD, which of course took yeah. place in the last few David Tennant episodes. Mm. Oh, I'd forgotten this one oh, was yes, Bill Nye. Nye. Ah, he was uncredited, wasn't he? Mm. Which is a show I really like Bill Nye. He's hilarious. Yeah, it was like 
um, who was, of course, rumoured to be playing the Doctor. Uh, the Daily Mail went so far as to announce him as the Doctor uh, when Christopher Eccleston was... Um, announced the early editions of the mail got it wrong and uh, said it was Bill Lowe. I don't think I'd want him as the Doctor. I'd like him to have a bigger role in an episode. Mm. Uh, I don't think I'd want him as the Doctor. He's too quirky in of himself yeah. to be the Doctor, I think. So... Um, I was saying about the cinematography and I think Ernie Vince is the bit done a lot of the director of photography stuff so he's um, gets a lot of the credit for that <laughs> but yeah and I, I think of ones that benefit from HD this with all the artwork mm. and the recreations of scenes such as the cafe scene which we'll come to yeah. uh, this one um, and the I mean, the colours in a lot of his paintings mm. certainly benefit from being HD. So here we are, we've realised something's wrong. Of course, Amy has been suggested to be um, a quite an arty artistic character with all her drawings and stuff that she's done of the the Doctor, which isn't an aspect of her character that has been touched on all, all that much. You sort of get the idea that she's become a designer. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things that they occasionally remember that she's, uh, she's kind of arty. <laughs> There's a nice interplay between yeah. and That's why I don't I don't think I'd want him as the, the doctor. Before he killed himself. Um Bill Nye often just plays Bill Nye, of course, in most things. Mm. Except maybe when he's got tentacles. <laughs> oh, the bow tie conversation. Yes. Um, it is commented that um, Vincent van Gogh is uh, is Amy's favourite painter, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And of course, the only explanation for we get for while that why they're here is that uh, he's taking around nice places, basically, isn't he? Yeah, he's feeling guilty. He's feeling guilty following uh, Rory's death. Not that she remembers Rory's death. Yes, so you, know, you get this slightly odd thing of the Doctor knows evil when he sees it in the painting, yeah. which is slightly hokey, perhaps. Especially as the thing in the painting looks like something out of Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> in sketchy watercolour. We find Vincent and he leads us straight to the church and our nasty Now, Richard Curtis, of course, had been involved in Doctor Who previously with The Curse of Fatal Death. Um, Stephen Moffat's uh, very funny comic relief sketch. Have you seen it? I think I have. I did at the time, yes. Yeah. Ah, the first of the painting recreation shots. It's funny, on a wider scale, that, that set looks very similar to... Um, quite a few of the ones they've used for these sorts of episodes Shakespeare Code and mm. the one with Charles Dickens I don't know what the episode was called but Done quite dead. Yeah. 
But I like these episodes, the ones where they go back to a... Mm. I mean, I know most people didn't, but I liked the Shakespeare Code. Um, yeah, the celebrity historicals. Yeah, I really like these ones. But I think because I like this bit, the bit where the companion and the doctor just goes a little bit mad because they're actually stood so <laughs> close. What? Someone mm. wants to buy a painting. Of course, one of the things that did attract attention is that Vincent van Gogh has a Scottish accent rather than a Dutch one. Yes. Uh, which they do lampshade very neatly with the whole um, line about Amy being from Holland too and the implication that the TARDIS translates accents yes, as well as... As well as. Um, language, which would make a lot of sense because um, you do get uh, the whole thing in classic Who that um, wherever you go in the universe, um, farmers and peasants will speak with of West Country style accents, uh, even if yeah. it's on some far from alien planet <laughs> and that kind of thing. Here we are, Amy's. Uh... Amy's now bought the drink. That accent of yours. Here we get the accent. Yeah. Yes. Which means yes. So, it starts again. <laughs> it's very silly. I knew it. But it's fun. Sorry? I like this because I think we'd get just as excited if, it, if we went back to meet these various people. Mm. Who would you go back to meet? Um. I don't. I quite like the idea of going back and meeting Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, most people I'm a fan of are still alive, thankfully. So, because uh, I'm not really one for classics, other than Shakespeare, much to many of my friends' despair, um, I'm not really into the classics. So, uh, but who would you go back? Oh, let's see. Mm, that's. I was going to say this is probably a very large question. We've just. Religious <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Yes. Uh, speaking of religious stuff, I, I think Martin Luther would be uh, quite mm. an entertaining person to meet. Um, uh, but um, yeah, there's all sorts of uh, people. I know, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> this is quite opening a can of worms here, isn't it? Yeah, Shakespeare would be really cool. Mm. Um, Dante, mm-hmm. uh, of the Inferno and Divine Comedy. Um, oh, so we've got a mysterious death injury. Mm. No. Would you say, on a slightly different note, would you say you're a fan of Richard Curtis's films? Um, yeah, I like some of his. I have to actually remind myself, because he's done quite a lot, hasn't he? Yes. I mean, I know him for a few things, but... So... I didn't know he was the founder of the Comic Relief. Hmm. I haven't just found this out from Wikipedia. I don't know this off the top of my head. <laughs> As I thought. As I thought. Come on, we better get you home. Oh, he's done a lot of things I didn't know he'd done, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you've got the things like 
Love Actually mm. and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Bridget Jones. He's done one episode of Casualty as well. <laughs> uh, Hasn't every television writer yes. done an episode of Casualty? Patent <laughs> doctors. <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't appear to have done doctors. Yeah, that might have been after his mm. time. He has sort of established enough to he avoid did, that one. He did, of course, do Blackadder, didn't he? So. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did number one Ladies Detective Agency as well. Mm. I watched some of that. Yes. Yeah. So certainly bringing a um, distinguished, distinguished yeah. writing pedigree. I wouldn't say that. Well, I, some of his films I can put up with, but they wouldn't be exactly my first choice of no. things to watch. I do own some of them, but they're not exactly ones I uh, watch very often, though. So here we are in Vincent's home, of course. I do think... Uh, I'm really glad that they did an episode like this. That's, um, uh, it's, it's much more like the kind of story you get in some of the Doctor Who short story mm. collections. Um, yeah. Because uh, it is lower key. It's kind of... In one sense, it's downtime for... The Doctor and Companion, it's the kind of thing that takes place in between saving the world, yeah. which you don't always yeah. get to see much of, but it's got real heart and that real character thing and just takes what's quite a difficult um, subject and handles it quite sensitively. Yeah. Uh, and I think it really helps to... Um, uh, yeah, expand the range of Doctor mm. Who in the, on television. I just like these ones because these celebrity historical ones, they always go back, and it's it's nice, even if this it, that insight is um, ideally out of the writer's mind, but that insight into what the person may or may not have thought about themselves at the time. So, like, he uses mm. one of his paintings, you know, to put his coffee cup on yeah. and things because he doesn't actually regard his paintings very highly um, and they did it in all of these celebrity historical ones didn't they and mm. I just like that insight that actually because I mean you know Vincent van Gogh is incredibly famous I mean obviously somewhat most of it after his death unfortunately yeah. um, we have such a different idea of famous yeah. nowadays <laughs> Amy does some uh, excellent hiding. Yeah, some excellent wide eye shots. It wasn't great, particularly great CGI, there was it? It's a giant CGI chicken thing. Yeah. And this, this is. Um, A nice wires work for uh, wire work for Matt Smith here. He's been dragged across the room. And the monster that only Vincent can see, it does operate in a way 
as a kind of metaphor for mm-hmm. his depression. His depression, his alcoholism, yeah. Also a cheap monster of the week. Yes, invisible monsters are always good. Uh, beloved by... <laughs> yep. Um, or monsters that are only seen in shadows. I love this. <laughs> so the Doctor's trying to fight something that's just thin air currently. So he's invisible. What did he look like? I'll show you. Oh, no! <laughs> See, it's it's things like that, and when they did the Shakespeare one, they did the dropping in the lines that from mm. plays he may not have written yet, and things. I just like those little sort of hints towards it. Yeah, the Shakespeare Code was quite cartoony. Yeah, um, it was. It wasn't at all an uh, attempt to give a um, realistic no application uh, of the time. But it was a lot of fun. It was mm. it was riffing off um, the literary idea of Shakespeare, the yeah. Shakespeare phenomenon, rather than him yeah. as a real historical person mm. in a way. I can't. I, the only reason I keep going back to that one is because I can't remember the Charles Dickens mm. one. It's, it's far too long yeah. since I've read. I've watched that one, but. Uh, it's a bit like with the Agatha Christie one, because uh, yeah. which was also written by Gareth Roberts, who wrote the Shakespeare Code. Yeah, because it's although it's supposedly about Agatha Christie, it's mm. as much a riff on the fiction. Yeah, and a large the... wasp. Yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't. Well, I did watch that one, obviously, but um, I don't remember liking it as much. But then I'm not a huge Agatha Christie fan either, so. I, I really like that one, I think. Mind you, actually, I'm not a huge Van Gogh fan, but I quite like this episode. Except the few times that you do see the chicken thing. This was filmed in Croatia uh, on location at the same time as the Vampires of Venice, or bits of it were. Handy gadget in a box. Matt Smith being his usual doctorish hyper self. Yeah. Good. Another appearance of William Hartnell. As well as Patrick Trenton. It makes a change from the Doctor instantly recognising. Yeah. I'm not so sure I like that gadget though because well it's one of those one use things isn't it where really you could use it again but it, we never see it again do we? Mm. Oh see that's what I don't like is when you see the horrible chicken like thing. Good let's find out who this is then. Yeah. <laughs> I quite worked it out the reason why I can see it. <laughs> I like the doctor's rigged up gadget thing here. <laughs> the way that it's got these convenient straps to uh, strap it to the front of him. Oh dear. 
<laughs> Bike falling over. Yep. Point monster point of view shots even better. Especially as all it was is someone with a piece of string on that bike pulling it so it fell over. I'm going to point out, of course, if he can see himself in the mirror, he's not looking down the... I think this also demonstrates that Doctor Who doesn't have to do the whole uh, escalation thing every week because one of the things that sometimes gets a bit wearying with the new series is how in the last 10-15 uh, minutes um, almost on a weekly basis you'll find out that um, uh, oh now the whole earth or the whole galaxy or whatever is the world is in peril and it just um, it just cheapens it and it's not doesn't necessarily uh, actually make you care anymore uh, it's it's just a bit unnecessary really mm. it's overused it's got its place but yeah Sometimes one of them gets left behind, and because they are a brutal race, the others never come back. So, dotted all around the universe are individual, utterly merciless, utterly abandoned prophets. And what they do is, well, kill until they're killed, which they usually are, because other creatures can't see them. As soon as it's a completely uh, new yes, creature. Yes, yeah. Something like that, yeah. So, feel like painting the church today. What about the monster? Um, what's the actor who plays Vincent van Gogh? Tony someone, is it? Tony Curran. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's very good in the role. So, and it is uh, uncanny how like Vincent van Gogh they found him to play it. I mean, it's very brave the way they hold up the self-portrait right next to yeah, his right face for you to compare. Um, he was actually born in Scotland. Tony Curran. Glasgow, apparently. What else he's been in, really? Oh, um, The Secret of the Unicorn, was that? Ah, yes, another... Stephen Moffat written thing. Yeah. It's a, can I help? He was in Being Human. Not the oh, same. Oh, no, not the right one, though. <laughs> yeah. I've just noticed. Experience isn't complete. I know how it will end. It will not end well. 
He's done quite a mm. lot of uh, standard TV series. Certainly a lot of them, oh, the American come ones. On, come on, let's mm. Numbers, CSI, Boardwalk Empire, I-5-0, Covert Affairs, The Mentalist. You've also got the whole thing of them knowing that he commits suicide, which mm. casts a long shadow over um, yeah. the story. And they've kind of played with that idea of mm. history before with the fires of Pompeii, for example. I'm trying to, yeah. But having it as a real specific... Um, One person's life, isn't it? Yeah. A different impact. I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, it's difficult because they're doing it knowing that he is going to take his own life. Mm. I don't know. I don't remember that they do much. How much does Amy fight to try and save him? She does, doesn't she, I think, later on in the episode. And here we have the acknowledgement of Rory's death. I, I do think they handle the relationship between her and Vincent very well in this yeah. episode. It's quite understated. Mm. And you've got this this idea again that um, which they did with um, was it? Did it in Shakespeare? Didn't he try and use the psychic paper on Shakespeare? And it didn't work. <laughs> the idea that, like Shakespeare, Vincent Van Gogh is somewhat of a genius. He can obviously tell there's something beyond Amy's appearance. Mm. I think it's that feeling of. Um, yeah, just finding a connection mm. in the, uh, in Vincent's depression and Amy's grief. Sunflowers again. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much did you know about Vincent Van Gogh before watching this episode? Were you? Uh, Particularly familiar with him. I don't think I knew much more than the standard bit that most people know really about him. Um, <laughs> that he painted sunflowers and chopped off his ear, basically. Well, yes, I know he painted more than just the sunflowers, but. Uh, I'm not I don't think I knew much more than that, really. I think it does quite a good job of um, setting up his significance with the museum at the start as well. And, Sort of having the pictures that you do, it's explained as you go along. Yeah. Uh, to a large extent. Paint. Do painting. I remember watching Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel. Wow. What a window! I kept saying to him, "Look, if you're scared of heights." Ah, some more shameless name dropping by the doctor. Yeah. Leonardo da Vinci, that's someone else I said to me, who the doctor has met. Yes. 
side of the face. Gaudi would be an interesting gentleman to meet as well, as well on the subject of artists who did the Sagrada Familia in Spain. Very, very, very large cathedral that he unfortunately um, fell in front of a bus and died before he finished it. Mm. So he only actually did one half of the cathedral. The other side has been done by another architect. But he's got, um, Gary's got a lot of things in, in Spain, a lot of buildings, including his own home. It's all very colourful and very uh, interesting to meet him. I think uh, the correct pronunciation is more like the sound yeah. Loch, um, Vincent van Gogh, uh, but um, Matt Smith has a very emphatic uh, van Gogh. Yeah. <laughs> I love about the explanation of just saying who he is, because he doesn't know who he is, he doesn't have any... <laughs> I like the way Amy goes, of course, so Armed with his little machine. We're back inside a church, which yeah, uh, we were in uh, cold blood as well. Always good for a bit of atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Slaying a dragon, carving above the door. Mm. Oh, the National Museum of Wales was used for the inside of the uh, museum at the beginning mm. as well. And the outside, it's supposedly in Paris that we see that was down in the bay. <laughs> Was it? Uh... There comes the Sonic. Mm -hmm. Has he moved? No, just shifted to the next window. But wait! I also enjoyed the doctor's signs about it. It's how time normally passes. <laughs> Slow and in the right order. Yes, for most people. Which uh, recalls the comments about the slow path in The Girl in the Fireplace. Yeah. But it's also, uh, in some ways, a comment on a reflection of this episode that is a slower paced one. Yeah. Although you do still have um, the obligatory running away from the monster every few mm. minutes. I hide in a wardrobe. <laughs> That's not been done before. No. Oh, it's not a, wand it's not it's a wardrobe, a confession it's a confessional. Booth. I've just realised. The way they went in, it looked like a wardrobe. He's gone past. Because not only does Narnia begin with uh, Lucy hiding in the wardrobe, but so in an interesting parallel does Philip Pullman's 
his dark materials begin with Lyra hiding in the wardrobe. It does, yeah. I wonder whether that's a deliberate <laughs> um, uh, thumbing of the nose to yes. CS. Plus, he just gets stuck in a wardrobe and gets out again later on, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> it's left and right mixed up. I wonder where they filmed this. This is mm. stuff that could easily have been filmed in some castle around somewhere in Wales. Um, yes, we do have a rather lot of uh, castles. I visited the castle on Sunday at Dinevo. There was a literature festival there. They also had a uh, had the TARDIS parked on the lawn outside um, Dinevo uh, house. Um, I'll probably post up the photo of that at some point. One of the um, uh, talks at the event over the weekend was the science of Doctor Who. Uh, I didn't go to that one. I wasn't there on that day. Talking to the monster. So is this the idea that the doctor can talk to the monster because of the TARDIS? Or because he's a Time Lord? Well, it's the translation circuits mm. telepathic. But that suggests that Amy will be should be able to as well. Yeah, she just hasn't tried. Mm. Not most people turn around and decide to chat to the thing trying to kill them. Yes, it's um, it's not always clear uh, who the TARDIS translates for because mm. in the Christmas invasion, the moment the Doctor wakes up, everyone there, not just those who travel with the Doctor, can understand the Zekorex. Uh, yeah. Harriet Jones and, um, can hear him speaking. Because <laughs> she's started to shout about it, perfect hearing. <laughs> That's the kind of line of uh, dialogue that uh, you expect in a big Finnish audio drama. <laughs> That's why it's turning around <laughs> and running towards us. Uh, they did do some uh, wire work in this episode, didn't they? Things mm. like off flying up in the air then. It wasn't without 
I didn't mean not to happen. I only meant to wound it. I never meant it. Mm. And then this. This is sad, the realisation that the creature is just lonely and blind. Explained why most people can't see it. I must have missed the explanation. I don't remember that. Well. And he lashed out. Like humans who lash out when they're frightened. The villagers will scream at me. And the children will throw stones at me. Here we get Vincent recognising the parallel between himself and the creature. Yeah. People react with fear. Uh, here's another nice oh, scene adult. where they mm. lay together and look up at the stars. Try to see what I see. We're so lucky we're still alive to see this beautiful world. Look at the sky. It's not dark and black and without character. The black is in fact deep blue. And over there, lighter blue, and blowing through the blueness and the blackness, the wind swirling through the air. Which of course is the painting, isn't it? Yes, starry, starry night. And you see how they roll their light. And here it bursts. This is very nicely done. Mm. Just animating it. I've seen many things, my friend. But you're right. Nothing quite as wonderful as the things you see. Mm. Yeah, it's really nice just that tribute to the imagination and mm. the artistic vision. <laughs> Not to get poncy about it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Being offered a Van Gogh painting, something to hang up on the wall of Tardis. Yeah. Amy, the blessed, the wonderful. Oh, be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. I'll try my best. I'll maybe get the beard a little trip before you next kiss someone. I will. Of course, there are some women who like beards. Uh, I know um, uh, this. Uh, my my wife. Um, I have a beard. My wife approves, but her grandmother apparently once said that uh, kissing a man without a beard is like um, uh, dinner without gravy. <laughs> Which is a sentiment that I'm sure not every woman would agree with, <laughs> but it just goes to show that uh, tastes vary in these yes, matters. Yes, they do. Well, no, you're not thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Vincent! I've got something I'd like to show you. Maybe just 
Tidy yourself up a bit first. Now, you know we've had quite a few chats about the possibility there might be more to life than normal people imagine. <laughs> yeah. Tell discovered in posters. Well, brace yourself, Billy. I'm trying to think of any parallel occasions where some the doctor's actually taken someone in the TARDIS to I mean it strikes a similar note to the Agatha Christie one where you have oh it's um, reprinted in the future type thing yeah. but they don't show her that no <laughs> what do these things all do? Oh, a huge variety of things. Uh, this one here, for instance, plays soothing music. <laughs> uh, well, this one makes a huge amount of noise. Uh, it's nice having people discovering the TARDIS shots yeah. in W7 and it's been some rainbow. burned themselves off in the space-time vortex. Here's the Wales Millennium Centre the, in the Stones Horizon scene with a bit of CGI to make it look like somewhere in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> What's the piece of music here? Um, the piece of music here is... Chances by Athlete. Mm. And this, of course, is the museum, isn't it? This is yeah. the national. And that's a kiss. I can't think who's done that, who did that sculpture. There were some people who thought this was a, a bit much. Mm. Uh, but I say, hearts of stone, the lot of you. <laughs> I mean, it is shamelessly tugging at the heartstrings. Mm, yeah. But I think it does earn it, and it is very touching. I do think that, considering how much he does look like Vincent Vega, nobody turns around to look at him other than obviously they introduce Dr. Black, don't they? Yes. Mm. Richard Curtis is obviously a very big fan. Yeah.
I went to the uh, Van Gogh exhibition in Amsterdam when I was on holiday in Holland a few years ago. I think, going back to what I said before about when they do these celebrity historical Mm. ones and they go back to what the artists may have thought about themselves when they were alive, this goes one step further in actually bringing the artist back and making him face actually what his name became, which is a nice further Mm. step plus... Bill Nye delivers this uh, little soliloquy particularly well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about the beard. (laughs) Going back to beards. Yeah. Bill Nye was uncredited in this well apparently he didn't want to be I think he only kind of did it as a favour to Richard Curtis oh right and he didn't want any publicity it's not like nobody knows who he is photos or yeah it's quite strange I think um, in Doctor Who magazine they said um, I don't think they were allowed to interview I think, oh they did a very brief interview with him but they said that he seemed like he'd much rather uh, be having it with his head in a brown paper bag for whatever What was that about being the marrying kind? She says I'm not the marrying kind Yeah So obviously yeah uh, That's obviously a knock on the fact that she is, but she just doesn't remember it. Mm. Yeah. And then you do have the whole tragic thing of Amy expecting Vincent. The National Museum of Wales does have a very good collection of Impressionist art. So mm. if you're in Cardiff and yeah. want something of slightly more high culture than uh, the Doctor Who experience, then uh, add that to your itinerary. And it's free. It is free. they couldn't rescue Vincent Mango so you had the sad ending Even if only a little bit. Except in the case of uh, 
major historical events or figures. Mm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so perhaps this bit was a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the four Amy part is a bit. Uh... <laughs> And again, the thing here is that it's putting a divergence between our world and the world of Dr. The Who. Because mm. one of the reasons the why... Ultimate the ultimate change. The ultimate change. The Doctor's not been ginger yet. No. So much for the doctor taking her nice places to cheer her up. Hello, I need your help. And next time. Ah, the lodger. And we've got Smithy. Yes, James Corden. Off of Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, I liked this one, I really liked the lodger. I love you. I love you. Well, that's good because I'm your new lodger. <laughs> I really like that episode. I like the dynamic between uh, James Corden and mm. Matt Smith. And is that is that an, a, a companion-free episode? Does Amy disappear for the lodger as well? For most of it, yeah. yeah. She's stuck in the TARDIS. Yeah. There we yeah. are. It's quite a different episode, but I I think it's a really strong one and a really good one. And I do really like how it, yeah, just adds to the range of what Doctor Who's done on television. And it shows it doesn't have to be about saving the world. It can be about saving a soul or failing to even. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's it's a nice self-contained episode. Um, yeah, just not quite as big, you mm. know, in the sense of it's not trying to save the world. And I think it works partly by contrast mm. with what Doctor Who does normally. But I would be very happy to see more episodes of this mm. sort that, yeah, just lower key ones. The only problem I had is that in terms of cinematically, it was some of the shots were really, really nice. Mm. But I think it was ruined by the CGI on the monster. I don't think that... but Not that I know what I want it to look like, but... Mm. Yeah, I mean, it looks a bit weird, but I didn't think it was bad. It didn't... Mm. For me, it didn't detract from the story. No, no, no. I think just in comparison to everything else, which was very nice, and the contrast certainly between his paintings and the colour used in his paintings was very nice, but... Yeah. It may work better when the monster was invisible. <laughs> and they just had strange items falling over at various points, but uh... that's often the case with Doctor Who monsters. They're great until they actually come out in yes, the open until and you can see, see them. them. Yeah, but no, it was it was another good episode. I'm looking forward to the Lodger. Mm. I like that episode. And it was followed by a one of these. If you've been affected by this, yeah, in there, which again is not something you 
associate with Doctor Who because no. um, if you've suffered from alien possession <laughs> yeah. or have been facing an invasion from outer space, please call this helpline yeah. right now. It's not exactly uh, fitting. No, um, we don't usually deal with something on such a an individual personal basis, do they? Mm. So they've never really, yeah, they've never yeah. really had to, have they? But not that they had to for this one, but when it originally broadcast, they did. Uh... Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that they should do episodes just like this. No. But I think it shows that you can successfully push the format uh, of Doctor Who at Saturday tea time. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be big and loud and dumb. So. No, and it was certainly one of their better self-contained mm. storylines. And also their links to the main story arc were a lot subtler in this episode than yeah. they are in most others. So the, the hints to the loss of Rory were more subtle rather than... I think we've complained on many occasions of how heavy-handed they can be with their story Yeah, there, was, there wasn't the big sort of flashback. Whoosh, no, yeah. um, they were nice little that didn't detract from the... and, and mm. seemed to fit. Uh, I mean, the biggest one obviously seemed to be Amy crying when she's speaking to Vincent. Yeah, it's much more... In terms of character. Yeah, and it's much more built into this storyline, not just tacked on. Yeah. Which it is in a lot of other episodes. Yeah, interestingly, Neil Gaiman's episode was at one point going to be part of the end of Series 5. would have come oh, right. around this point. It got moved back when they realised they didn't have the budget left for all uh, of the things he wanted to do. Um, plans that he had. With that, they were going to lay on a lot of foreshadowing of the destruction of the TARDIS mm. in the Pandorica opens the Big Bang. Yeah, which are the ones after the Lodger, aren't they? So yes, we're gathering steam towards the end and Series 7 yeah. is not far off now. Probably. No. Uh, it'll be August when the first screenings will be taking place. Yeah. Uh, tickets go on sale in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and that's up in, is it up in London? Yeah, they've got the BFI screening in London and mm. also the Edinburgh uh, media conference thing. Uh. Where... That's a bit further for us to go, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, so we'll be back with The Lodger next week. Yes. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Um, and indeed, on the upcoming episodes on The Lodger, uh, we'd love to have your comments ready to discuss. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening! Oh,